On today's show, Dylan Brooks, FIBA Team Canada performance. A rough all-around game for Team Canada, but what did we learn about Dylan Brooks and his performance? Plus, we'll take a look at some concerns over his fit with the Houston Rockets this upcoming season. What's the best-case outcome and worst-case outcome for this upcoming year for Dylan Brooks? It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no-look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. Oh! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash Locked on NBA or enter promo code Locked on NBA for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird bird dogs off ever guarantee you that I'm wearing them right now for this show. Also, we've got a Locked On Rockets survey going on. If you would take the time, I've linked it on my Twitter feed, on Instagram. It's on the YouTube comments section. If you would take the time, if you listen to this show, I would love to hear your feedback about ways that we can improve and make this show better. So please go check that out and fill it out if you have the time. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, Frank, from the Rockets Chop Shop. You can track down on Twitter at FTank58, and be sure to follow along for all the content that the Rockets Chop Shop puts out at HTX Chop Shop, and go drop them a subscription on YouTube, the link in the episode description. Frank, we got to talk a little Dylan Brooks, because, and I say we got to because... Uh, I know, our favorite player. <laughs> Right. You know, what's we need to set like an over under on the number of Dylan Brooks jerseys that I'm actually going to see next year at Toyota Center just running (laughs) around. Um, So look, 31, 31 and a half is my uh, is my over. (laughs) So basically your Rockets win total is equivalent to uh, the (laughs) Dylan Brooks jersey Brooks jersey number you're going to see over the 82 games. Oh, if you go to every game. Um, game. Yeah. All right. So just like Alper and Shingun playing in FIBA World Cup action, we've got a couple other Rockets also doing the same. Jock Landale, although he might miss his friendly matches for Team Australia because he's currently dealing with an ankle injury. But Dylan Brooks played for Team Canada, yep. and he played against a conglomerate of former Rockets uh, for... Uh, or I guess alongside a conglomerate of former Rockets because Kelly Olenek also playing for Team Canada. And then for Team Germany, we had Dennis Schroeder and, uh, why am I blanking? Daniel Daniel Tice. Tice. There we go. And Frank, this was, we were talking before we even hit the record button. This was an ugly game. This game was not fun to watch whatsoever. Both teams were struggling I really don't know what happened. Like I had, I had team Canada, like looking at their roster, like pound for pound, they have so much NBA talent that 
betting odds have them right behind Team USA to win it all. And they did not look like a team that has a ton of NBA talent when they played this friendly game. I don't know if it's because they were not taking it seriously or what, but it did not look great. Yeah, they they look like the 2022-23 Houston Rockets. Um, RJ Barrett and and SGA were out there like just ball hogging their to death. Like it was just really bad basketball. Um, I think watching Dylan play in that context was reassuring. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not gonna like he really I thought he would like go crazy. He had a couple moments where he kind of forced the issue because he wasn't getting the ball, but as bad as those guards were playing, for him to stay as reserved and focused and locked in on defense as he did, I, I came away with the from the game happy because I could see a world where if he's able to maybe they're just better players than uh than him that he he can concede to that but that's why it's important to have guys like Fred Van Fleet on the roster because um it could get bad but yeah overall Team Canada I don't know I have them as the favorites as well really don't know what was going on in their pregame or maybe the coaching isn't really right but yeah it, it was nasty that was not a not a fun game to watch they're, they're missing that leadership from Jamal Murray too who wasn't out there for them in this friendly Facts. game um, not sure what his timetable is on whether or not he'll make it in time uh, to to participate he's been prioritizing his injury recovery timetable but yeah for, for Dylan Brooks kind of focusing in on his game in this one he did kind of have a bit more reserve game I expected him to be you know, a bit more aggressive, especially on the offensive end, but he kind of just stayed in his lane, did his thing. He had, uh, you know, a handful of three-pointers that he attempted, one that he uh, just kind of walked into and drilled in Mm -hmm. transition, which unfortunately, like, and we're going to get into some of the numbers here in a second from this past season for Dylan Brooks, some of his shooting splits, some of his uh, different lineups that he played with with the Memphis Grizzlies and kind of unpack some of the numbers and how we would maybe hope his shot profile can look with the Houston Rockets, but it was kind of a mixed bag, right? Because he had some shots that you feel confident about where he's, you know, catching, you know, catch and shoot opportunities, uh, you know, on the perimeter generated by other guys. Uh, and then he had some moments where he like, he, you know, put the ball on the floor and had like this like yeah. teardrop floater, floater layup, layup that did, yeah. that, you know, did, I don't even think he hit iron on it. Um, he hit the backboard and it went off to the, uh, uh to, to, towards the head of one of the G- German players. Um, yeah, he, his shot selection, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Um, and, I would say, did you notice that offensively, they really didn't use him in a lot of the action. He was really playing kind of on the weak side pretty much the whole game. I'm not sure what they're, are they using him as a spacer? I just couldn't tell, but he was not involved offensively at all. So um, I'm not sure what, because I feel like they got, if you remember, you and Roosh were talking during Rockets Watch, that run he had when it was like, uh, got down to a three-point game was when he kind of had a chance to handle the ball get on ball, started forcing the issue, getting up some shots, setting up for some teammates, passing ahead. Um, and that's when really when they uh, cut the game down. But otherwise, like the off- offensively, he was not in position to really do anything but just stand in the corner, the and, Jabari treatment. And it's like, it's so weird because he's not exactly the type of player that you want, you know, orchestrating your offense or running things or, you know, pulling up for his own shots, and the percentages definitely back that up. So does the eye test from this past season. But in that game specifically, I don't know if it's just because uh, SGA and Barrett were playing so poorly and he just got lucky for a few possessions in a row, but he also had some moments, right, where he, there was one where he caught the rebound, or he got a rebound and went out in transition, you know, 
and and actually had a nice little outlet pass in transition mm-hmm. for a wide open three pointer. That was a nice little play to see from him. He had some some moments where he kind of like locked up defensively, where he was guarding Dennis Schroeder, you know, well out past the three point line, forcing him into some tough possessions, burning a lot of clock down, and kind of making Germany uncomfortable with the basketball. But he he also had a moment where Dennis Schroeder got the best of him. He completely crossed him yeah. up and dropped him like damn near mid court, and it did not look good <laughs> yeah. for Dylan Brooks. Um, I don't know. It's, it's no, like, I, I'm just defensively curious. though. Defensively, I do want to give him, give him some, I would say defensive wise for a player that wasn't engaged on ball on, on offense. He never lost like his intensity on defense. That's one thing that you love about him is that no matter what he's doing, even if it's boxing out, um, he's going to do it with edge. And he was really, and that's like, I'm watching him the same way they use him on offense. He was really off ball on defense and playing kind of the low man a lot. And, but when he would get a chance, he switched out with aggression, closed out with aggression, boxed out with aggression. Everything he does is so intense. And I think that on a team with like Tari and Jabari and some of these guys that are kind of cut like that, because I don't think, you know, Kelly O's, he's a good player, but, you know, he's not known for his defense. SGA not known for his defense. RJ, RJ Barrett was picking up full court, but he was, you know, not really doing much. So I just think that seeing that on the, you pair that with the fact he wasn't getting shots, Actually, uh, reassuring for me, I, I came away like really, really kind of pleased about what I saw from him in, in this game and how that could translate to the Rockets. Coming up, we want to get into some of those expectations that we have for Dylan Brooks and how some of his skills can translate to this Rockets team. Maybe some concerns over how he fits in with this group of guys, what his shot profile could potentially look like, all of that. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Look, Bird Dogs will be the best, most comfortable shorts that you have ever owned. I promise you that. I'm wearing a pair right now. And look, I didn't used to be a shorts guy. I really didn't. I'd wear pants all the time, jeans, sweatpants, khakis, you name it. I'd always be something wearing something hip to ankle. But when I found Bird Dogs, when I got my hands on a pair, I started wearing these bad boys all the time. Look, it's, it's Houston. It's muggy outside. It's gross. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long, which is an absolute necessity in this muggy Houston weather. They're so versatile. You can wear them just hanging out with friends. You can wear them on a pool day or beach day. You can swim in them. Wear them out on a date. Honestly, they are the most versatile shorts that you will ever own. Go check them out. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter promo code LockedOnNBA for a free white tech hat with every purchase. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or promo code LockedOnNBA for a free white tech hat. I promise you, you're not going to want to take your bird dogs off. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Frank, one thing you brought up there at the end of segment one really stood out to me, and it's that it's that the boxing out element for Dylan Brooks, right? And that goes into one of those categories of like kind of the intangibles, the dirty work, the hustle plays that you don't always get credit for. And that was definitely something that I picked up on, too, in that game against, you know, or against Germany for Team, team Canada was the moment a shot goes up, Dylan is looking to put his body on somebody defensively. Like he's looking for the nearest body, trying to box out, making sure he does those little things. And though that kind of, you know, lead by example type mentality, him being able to put in the work and do those little things is going to be so important for guys. Like you said, Jabari, Tari, Cam, all these younger guys that he's really going to be able to kind of take under his wing. And I know that there's, you know, some concerns over, you know, Dylan, the player and this, you know, what he's going to potentially look like as far as the shots he takes and how his skill set's actually going to translate to the court. 
But I do think one element that he brings to this Rockets team that has been sorely needed is he brings leadership. Like, he brings an edge. He brings a mentality. He brings a toughness. And hopefully, Ime Odoka is going to be able to kind of, like, refine that and kind of point it in the right direction a little bit. But I do think that for guys like Tari and Jabari and Cam, young wings who are trying to still establish themselves at the NBA level, being able to learn from a guy like Dylan Brooks is going to be a really awesome experience for them. Yeah, I think this is going to be um, probably the biggest value that he brings to our team is going to be that those intangibles and that leadership. I think intensity is something that you just don't find everywhere. You know, that's why Pat Beverly always gets opportunity in the NBA. Those guys, you can't fake being one of those type of players, right? Because you can fake being intense for a quarter or a half, even one game. But the ability to be on all the time, every game, no matter what it what it is, it does have a detriment in certain certain contexts and situations where some of those players find it hard to reel themselves in but for for guys like dylan brooks even russell westbrook to uh you know those type of players you have to walk a fine line between trying to hone or pull back what they do to make you know make them more reserved and fit the team or just let them flourish and just kind of go out and deal with the consequences and i think that's where coach adoka has to find the balance for him i know a lot of fans um don't like some of the antics but the antics make him dylan brooks because I think you take that away, you probably take away the type of player he is. And you have to let that kind of be in a little bit because I, I would love for that to rub off on some of the players because I think we have some guys that could be that type of intent and still keep their, their composure with Tari, Jabari, I've named. Um, I also think uh, guys like Amen Thompson coming into the league. I just want to see that fusion of, of young and kind of middle-aged vets that we have on the team. You're thinking of Fred Van Vliet as well who's another intense player. So, you know, for the Rockets, it seems like they've infused a lot of toughness and grit into the team in one offseason. And just curious to see how that's going to look with all these young guys um, and, and their offensive talents and what they bring to the table. Now, when we look at how... Dylan kind of factors into what the Rockets are going to try and achieve. Let's look at the offensive end for a second here, because some of the concerns with Dylan will come down to what does his shot diet look like, right? Is he taking poor shots offensively? Is he pulling up from mid range? Is he taking, you know, shots way too quickly in the shot clock? Is he not sharing the basketball? All that kind of stuff. Some of the, the selfish or bad habits, whatever offensively and breaking out of those habits are going to be a big thing for him to find success. One thing that I thought that really stood out is you look at the blanket percentages for Dylan Brooks, just from this past season, we're not going to do like a, you know, a, a six year deep dive on his numbers, but just from this past season, he shot 32 and percent from three point land. Now it's worth noting that he actually made a shoot quite a bit better than that on explicitly catch and shoot three pointers. So catch and shoot threes, he was up to 35.6%. The reason his numbers are kind of so bad is his pull up threes were actually really awful. He shot just 27% on the pull up threes. Then you go even further down and you find his absolute wide open three pointers. So nobody anywhere near him, six plus feet of distance, wide open threes. He shot 37% on. So Frank, once we start getting into those numbers, right, where you look at if you can get him to prioritize the quote unquote good three point shots, right? The wide open ones, the ones where he's not the one create because he's not he's really not a guy that should be prioritizing self-creation at all, whether it's right. pull-up threes, whether it's attacking off the catch and pulling up from mid-range. That's not something you really want him to do a lot of. And I actually also think that almost extends a little bit to Fred Van Vliet as well. I, we haven't done a deep dive into his numbers, but his numbers kind of suggest that he's better served as just a spot-up three-point guy, right? A guy who yeah. can hopefully feed off the actions that other guys, the advantages that other guys are creating, like a Jalen Green, like an Alper and Shingoon in that starting lineup. Yeah, and I mean, you you hit it on the head there with 
Um, and, and you are using probably NBA.com uh, yeah. for those stats. On Synergy, they have his unguarded three-pointers at 40%. Um, and that's on 109 possess- uh, attempts. Uh, actually, 182 attempts, so even more than that. I think for him, my, my thing is, I, a player comp I'll think for Dylan, where I think he needs to be is, can he be a Bruce Brown? Which is a guy that's ultimate utility type of player that plays off whatever the offensive creator is on the team and does all the dirty work and hit your open shots when, when you get them. Um, that's going to be the the balance that, you know, we're putting a lot on Coach Udoka. I don't know how Taylor Jenkins is as a presence with his team. He seems like a tough guy. He seems like a serious type of coach. But um, I, that's going to be hard to see because I think some fans have pointed out that the Memphis Grizzlies were a playoff team with all NBA level players. They have a defensive player of the year. And Dylan still, in some context, couldn't reel back his shooting uh, shot selection and all those things. What does that look like on the Rockets? And if he can fit into the role of and buy into being, you know, like he was playing today off ball, you're going to be in the corner to be like the P.J. Tucker, that Bruce Brown corner three-point shooter, make that your thing, play hard defense. I love how they were using him. He switched out a lot. He got in the post with the big men because he's a, you know, he's a burly guy. So that's a guy you could do some switching with. Um, he was playing a little bit of pick and roll uh, drop coverage and switching out on some of the pick. And- so he's so versatile on defense. He's going to be on the court. If he can buy into being uh, ancillary player to the uh, initial creators, I think that he can kind of reshape the narrative around them. Once again, I don't ever think his, his personality is going to go away. And I love players like that. I love, you know, when I went to watch Russell Westbrook the first time, I think we played Milwaukee. It was like opening night. When you see that in person, it really does make you fall in love with these guys. So I don't think fans are going to just hate him. But if the season goes on and, you know, we go, go on a losing streak and he's trying to, you know, be the guy to close the games out, it can get it, it probably is going to get ugly. So it's really going to hinge on his ability to buy in uh, uh, for what the role that the Rockets are going to ask him to play. And I. I struggle to imagine a world where using the the projected starting lineup that I feel like 99% of Rockets fans can get behind, which is Fred VanVleet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith Jr., Alper, and Shingun. You look at that lineup and you look at how the Rockets are very clearly, they, they haven't, they've been very transparent about the fact that they are still going to be working on growing and developing these young guys and helping them find their identity while also pushing towards and wanting to take that next step, right? Hopefully making the playoffs this next season is kind of a goal that Ime Odoka has talked about, right? That he hasn't missed the playoffs yet in his career and he doesn't plan to start doing that this season, right? He wants to make the playoffs. You look at that lineup and I think it's very clear, like Jalen has to be your number one option. He's going to be your number one option. Your number two option is probably going to be some combination of any like I, I just I look at all the guys in the lineup and it gets it gets a little murky two through four yeah. as far as like hierarchy goes and I really think it's going to be up to that's where the steady hand and leadership of Fred Van Vliet is going to be invaluable because it'll be up to him on any given night. Oh, Jabari has it going. Bet he is like, yeah. I'm going to keep feeding the hot hand, right? Or, oh, Shingun has a mismatch and Shingun, you know, they can't contain Shingun tonight because they're big, just can't keep up with him or they're not guarding the pick and roll right. I'm going to keep feeding the ball to Shingun. Or maybe he has it going one night. I think that two through four, as far as the hierarchy, is going to be very dependent on what Fred identifies as who's got it going that night. And it could be in any order, those those three guys. I think Dylan Brooks is very clearly your fifth option offensively there. And it's 
I just don't envision a world where like suddenly he's getting more shots up than Jabari or Fred or Shingun in any scenario with that starting lineup and doesn't somehow get sat down by email and be like, hey man, like what are we doing here? Like I got these offensive talented guys. You can't be taking more shots than them. I don't know, man. I think coaches are weird. They like like weird things about players, like the guy that he hustles, so he's gonna get so I think if he plays good defense, he's gonna be he's gonna still be on the court. The thing with the offensive like rankings, you know, like, you know, I know we watched Alperin play against Poland the other day. The way he's used, because Alperin is the center, he's going to be in the middle of the action a lot. So by de facto, on any given night, he could range from two through two, three, four, you know, just because pick and roll, short roll, there's just so many opportunities for him to be able to score. Um, But he could also be facilitating and be an extension of the point guard. Um, then it comes down to, you know, Fred, Fred is a point guard. So he's, he's, I think he's going to be at least third option. So it's really comes down to uh, between Jabari and, and Dylan Brooks. And if Jabari is the Jabari we saw in summer league, and that's the guy that's, you know, hitting turnarounds, uh, in the, in the mid block. And, uh, you know, he didn't shoot well from three, but just hitting his shots and playing good defense, then yeah, that does get interesting. Um, this is going to be a, a, this is going to be a, interpersonal question the Rockets are going to have to figure out between the players there is how do you get a player like that to come to a team like ours that literally just be coming off of one of the worst stretches in NBA history to check his ego and say that I'm okay with not getting as many shots as rookie or sophomores and third year players that's a tall order man I am like it's going to be so fascinating the storylines are going to come out of training camp and and for the Rockets but if you know everybody says Emay's the guy, he seems to have a way with players. So we're gonna see because I think that's gonna be if it goes wrong, bro, it's gonna be nasty. I can I'm talking about of, Christian Wood levels. I can think of 86 million different ways to convince a guy to come to a team <laughs> as bad as the Rockets and take less shots. Yeah, yeah so, something like that. Coming up, we're gonna get into the best outcome and worst outcome for Dylan Brooks this upcoming season with the Houston Rockets. We're gonna get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Frank, we were kind of navigating there and talking about some of the good, some of the bad with Dylan Brooks, the defense, the offense. So let's start with the positive outcome here. As far as what a best case outcome looks like for Dylan, and we're not talking, oh, he makes an all-star team. That's that's not realistic, right? Just a best case outcome for Dylan Brooks this upcoming season. What does that look like in your eyes? Best case outcome is a guy that, like I said, utility player is a positive on the court at all times. And it's not just because he's scoring uh, 30 points a game. Um, The leadership qualities, I think that that naturally, I'm going to assume that comes regardless of whether what his on-court product looks like. But assuming that's there, um, he's, you know, impacting wins and being a, a player that really sets a tone for everybody else on the team. I think all the the negatives that he his game has right now the shooting decision making can you mitigate that uh to that to a point where it doesn't hurt the team and the good things you do actually help the team win um i think that's the best case and i think if he does that with his personality the fieriness he has when he plays rockets fans are going to love him um they're really going to love him he i can see him becoming like a fan favorite if he's able to buy into that role because he's such a uh he is a likable player and one thing i've you know from memphis fans and grizzlies fans i've uh, heard about him is most of them actually appreciated him it's just that 
the circumstances that they were in over the past two years kind of forced a different type of player to come out from what they started with when he first came, uh, when he was first uh, drafted over there. Um, and he changed. Uh, and a lot of people say it was due to the, the fact that Jaw was out. So the coach asked them to kind of take more of a burden offensively. So maybe we get the early Dylan Brooks that was just a guy that used to bug Harden and make his life hard when we play the Grizzlies um, and just focused on, you know, being a pest for the other team and hitting his shots. Uh, if that happens, then, yeah, we, we definitely uh, would have a winner on our hands. We're going to have another deep dive on Dylan Brooks next week. We're going to have a crossover with the Locked On Grizzlies guys and have them come on and kind of share their thoughts on Dylan Brooks and what makes him such a special player, why Grizzlies fans loved him so much, and what he can potentially bring to this Rockets team. So we're looking at it through a Rockets lens right now, not really knowing the ins and the outs of Dylan Brooks' game as well as somebody who has been watching him all these years. So be on the lookout for that show sometime next week. When we look at, Frank, when we look at kind of what his you know, best outcome is, I wonder, you know, if he is guaranteed at this point, he's probably going to be, is he probably in your eyes going to be a closer almost guaranteed for this team? Because I do think that's one of the interesting things I think you look at Mm. in the starting lineup. I think you very much look at Shingoon and you look at Dylan as probably, I don't want to say the liabilities necessarily in a closing lineup, but those are probably your two swing guys that may or may not be on the floor, depending on the opposing team's lineup at the end of games. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think if his defense holds up, uh, then he he's always going to close out games. Um, if you look and, you know, just going back to the synergy, his ranks for uh, on the defensive end on the court, when it comes to his isolation, he's ranked in the like 80th percentile uh, uh, for that. When it comes to his pick and roll ball handler, 75 percentile post ups, 73rd percentile spot up 70. He is ranked very good in almost every defensive metric. And once again, I think Coach Udoka, even though he doesn't want to admit it, he skews towards defense. And I, I just don't see a world where you have one of the best wing defenders in the league on your team and he's not closing out games because when it comes to those last two minutes, honestly, I'd rather get a stop than a bucket. You know what I mean? So because I can get a stop, I have uh, four of the guys that could score, but I need all my guys to be able to get stops. Um, so that's why I think he's going to close out. And, um, you know, the liability thing is really his decision making. Can you mitigate that? If you can do that, if you can play within the context of the offense, then he should, you know, he should never be a guy that you have to sit if it's just talking about basketball. So you're I'm guessing in your eyes, then your swing piece, because this would probably be my closing lineup too. You just swap Shingun for Tari and call it a day, right? Because that gives you five. It, it, it depends. If I'm playing Joel Embiid, okay, uh, well, has to be well on the court. yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. You know I mean? I, but but fair, if, fair, if it's like fair. Dame or the Warriors, then this has been my thing the whole time with like Steven Silas. He is just, was just too rigid. Mm-hmm. Like, play to the strengths of, of your players and play to the lineups. That's why having roster flexibility is such a big factor. And when you're building a, a championship contender, if you need to close with a death lineup, go for it, right? Sit Shangun, he'll be fine. He can go for it and, and uh, put Jabari at the five or, you know, another player that you want there. But I think that. The closing, as long as Jabari is progressing that like he's supposed to, I think he's going to be there. I think um, Shangun may be the one just based on matchup, but I also think Shangun can guard bigger bigs. So it just depends on what the team is doing. If we're playing Jokic, I don't want Jabari at the five because that's food. So at least let them bang around and make it a physical game. So it just depends. But 
Um, I think Shangun would probably be the the first one to come out if the, if it was a certain type of team that we're playing. But I think Dylan is going to be in all the closing lineups. And Shangun even showed us this past season, right? That when he is is tasked with guarding some of those bigger bigs, like in the overtime win, the double overtime win against yep. Philadelphia, right? He was he had five fouls like near the top of the fourth quarter and managed to guard Embiid Ran, all through the fourth yep. and OT before ultimately fouling out. But like he went a solid like ten plus minute stretch with five fouls, doing a good job on Embiid. So. For sure, depend lineup dependent, right? If there's a legitimate big yeah. out there, you're not going to throw all you know 225 pounds of Jabari Smith Jr. at a, at an Embiid or a Jokic, at least not in this stage of his career. I do think, and, and real quick, yeah, and, sure. and real quick though, uh, Emil Udoka is very stubborn too. Like he does love to play his his big man. Like uh, even against teams that shoot like the Warriors, they kept um, they kept Time Lord and Al Horford in the game. They it's like they don't he doesn't elect to go small just for the sake of it. So it has to be something really. I just noticed that about him that he does like to close with with size. So, um, you know, Shangun has a lot of things to show this season. Um, can he do it? I think he can. Um, I think he has IQ, too. But yeah, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if our starters are just the guys closing the games out. I'm also not ruling out the possibility entirely, and this is something we're going to explore in a future episode as well. Uh, Shingun, Jock Landale lineups. It's not. I, I don't think it's completely Ooh. off the table. I think. I think that could very easily be something we legitimately see. Is any two out of the three of Shingun, Landale, and Jeff Green, who we're kind Jeff of Green chalking up as oh our as our, we're we're kind of looking at them as like our our bigs, right? The fives on the team. Yep. But I think there's legitimately a world where those guys, any two of those three, can actually coexist on the floor together because. Udoka likes his bigs, right? He likes to be able to close out that's defensive possessions strongs. He likes to rebound. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, that, that's real quick. I know okay. you said don't talk about Turkey, no, no, but you're look, good. You're good. The the Turkish team plays Shangun with Yurtsevin and the other. I forgot the Sean other guy's Lee. name. John Lee. He played. They, yeah, he, he basically together. played the four. He was playing the four. They they ran a play where Shangun attacked from the wing and got into a pick and roll mid play with the guy and threw a lob up. So. It's it's there, man. I, I like that Londale. I'm really intrigued by that Jeff Green, uh, Shangun. Uh, no, for, duo for right absolutely. There. For I remember there was like like after his rookie year, I posed the question. I was like, is Shangun really a five, or is he maybe like could he slim down a little bit and play four and and be a legit four or five like tweener at the NBA level and. Obviously, we still don't know exactly how tall he is because we just at this point we just need a measuring stick and stick it next to him and get like an official recorded height. Um, if he's six eleven, seven foot coming into the season, then sure he can be a full time five. But there might be a world where Shingun at the four is actually more of a natural fit for him at the NBA level rather than having to play full time five and being a bit undersized while doing it. But and now we hit our we hit our Shingun segue yeah. here in the middle. <laughs> I we hit our quota. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel, just, just for just for all the Turkish fans, right? Just, just enough for me to put Shingun in the title of the episode and, and hit the algorithm a little hey, bit. You can thank me later, <laughs> man. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, no, and I, I agree with your best case outcome for Dylan Brooks. I do think, right, when you look at, we got into kind of, kind of some of the shot, uh, the shot distribution there in segment two. I do wonder, you know, when we look at, him versus Jabari, those are going to be your two kind of spacers, right? Like, you know, Jalen's going to get plenty of uh, opportunities. Shingun is going to be involved in a lot of the action. Fred's going to be setting the table. So Dylan and Jabari are going to be your two guys likely spaced off in the corners. Um, we know that the Rockets like to lift their shooters out of the corners whenever they're playing, uh, depending on what side they're playing the ball on. You know, so if it's, you know, Dylan Brooks on the weak side and the action's happening on the strong side, then 
they like to lift that shooter out of the corner to kind of open things up a little bit. So he might get a you know steady diet of opportunities like that. We just need him to cut down on some of those ill-advised mid-range pull-ups, that kind of thing. I do also wonder if we'll see a world where with Shingun distributing the basketball, maybe Ime getting creative with Shingun as an additional playmaker on the floor. Maybe we can lean into Dylan Brooks and getting some more shots at the rim because he shot pretty well at the rim last year, right? Like dunks and layups right at the cup. That's not an issue for him. The issue is you got to cut down on the bad three-pointers, the bad mid-range shots, and hopefully that's the element of his game that you can squash. When it comes to worst-case outcome for Dylan Brooks, Frank, I know there's a world where when we talked about some some of the potential free agents for the Rockets to look at, you know, look towards and potentially sign, we made the argument on this show that it'd be better to just start Tari Eason for, like, 80% of the cost, or, you know, less than 80% of the cost mm-hmm. of whatever than signing Dylan Brooks to the deal that the Rockets ultimately signed him to. Is there a world you think where, like, worst case outcome, Tari Eason just completely outplays Dylan Brooks and takes over the starting spot at some point this year? It would have to be, um, and that would be a nasty, because we are locked in. For we're on years. the hook for Dylan. Locked like, in. that's that's um, bad stuff right there. I think what would be a, and this, I mean, I guess if Tari's that good, then that's a good thing. But if it's a case because Dylan is like taking bad shots, he's not playing within the confines of the offense and then it's hurting the team and you have to at some point make the move to bench him for Tari Eason, then, I mean, that's worst case scenario. Um, I would hope he has enough pride to not let that happen, but you know, it's the NBA. We've seen, you know, like when players come in, we saw what happened with Christian Wood Every time a player comes to a franchise, you assume the best for them, but sometimes their reputations precede them. And most of the time, a lot of times it's true. So I'm curious, I'm really going to be looking out for that episode you're going to do with Locked On Grizzlies, because like you said, you really don't know about these players until you talk to the fans that have to watch every single game, every interview during practice, like we do with the Rockets. Just like we try to tell the Dallas Mavericks about Christian (laughs) We tried to warn them, man. We try to warn them. So I'm really going to be watching this uh, that that episode to see what they actually say, because I feel like, you know, they can give us some insight about why he was, you know, the shot selection, why he, was, he uh, performed so poorly in the playoffs. Then maybe we can see, you know, kind of take away some of the angst that comes with having a player like that. Um, but it's just I think just worst case is whatever people say about him is actually true. And if that's the case, then the Rockets are, are going to be in trouble because not only is he already a depressed asset, him coming here and, and not starting and playing well is not going to make that that uh 90 plus million dollars that he, he has uh we have on the books for him be a easy thing to move out from hopefully the rockets do not have yet another christian wood on their hands with dylan brooks we do hope for the ultimate best case scenario yeah. for him with this rockets team moving forward frank you know the drill let everybody know where to track you down at yeah rockets chop shop on youtube and uh f tank 58 on twitter That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And do me a huge favor. It would mean the world to me if you went and filled out that Locked on Rockets audience survey. It's on the YouTube page. It's on my Twitter feed. It's everywhere you can find it. Please take the time to fill it out. I would really appreciate it. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.